0: More bread? Again? Isn't that really dull? What more can there be to say? But what if this is an opportunity to savour something so amazing that it needs time, not to be rushed, so that we can appreciate it in all its complexity and wonder? Hi, welcome to St Ninian's in Stonehouse. I'm Stuart, and I'm delighted to welcome you to our time of worship together. We continue our time in John chapter 6, reading today from verses 51 to 58. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give you for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. It used to be that you knew which day it was by what was for dinner. Mince on a Tuesday, fish on a Friday. The equivalent today would probably be meat-free Monday, but that's not quite the same because there's variety involved. Loads of us have the same thing for breakfast every day, or even the same or very similar for lunch. Two rolls, an apple, a packet of crisps. Again, there's an opportunity to have variety with fillings and flavours of crisps but it's basically the same thing day after day after day and that can get dull. Doing anything day after day after day always the same never any difference can be dull even if it's something you love. We went on a visit to Cuba with a group of young people about 10 years ago now to meet with people from the reformed church there. It was a fascinating visit to a beautiful but very poor country which is very different from Scotland. We stayed in Havana in a church that had converted the balcony into a couple of rooms with the world's noisiest air conditioning units and a shower that was quite frankly terrifying. But the hardest thing about the trip was the food. We really do take our variety of food for granted. We ate the same thing for lunch and dinner every day for a week. Breakfast was also the same every day but it was pancakes and fresh fruit so that was brilliant. But every lunch and every dinner was rice and black beans, sometimes with sweet potato to mix it up a bit, but every day, twice a day, rice and black beans and exactly the same sauce. And that gets old pretty quickly, especially when there's no choice. You can't just nip down to the cove for some chocolate or go and get a McDonald's or a pizza. That's it. That's all there is. And you can imagine how that went down with a group of 10 Scottish people in their late teens. More and more was eaten for breakfast every day. It's the same for us in worship. And reading today is the fourth week we've been in John chapter 6 and we're still talking about bread. Loads of preachers will have given up by now. And if they haven't given up, then I'm sure some of the people listening will be thinking, oh no, not this again. I mean, how much more is there to be said about bread? But then the bread isn't just bread, is it? A loaf of Mother Pride is, is not the same as sourdough or seeded batch or ciabatta or naan. Bread, it turns out, comes in loads of varieties. But almost every culture has bread of some sort. It's what we call a staple, one of those things we perhaps take for granted. It's always there. We mostly all eat some kind of bread every day. It's just what we do. We don't really give it much thought until we can't get any. In Jesus' time, bread was an essential. It was a part of the world where bread was perhaps the only source of carbohydrate, like pita or naan bread cooked on a hot stone in the fire. And if the harvest fails, that's a huge problem. For those people, bread is literally a matter of life and death. And we see that in the feeding of the 5,000. The people have nothing to eat and Jesus feeds them. But that miracle, or sign as John likes to think of it, it means something. It's not just a free lunch. It tells us something about who Jesus is. And for us, spending a few weeks with the same topic instead of bouncing around from one story to the next gives us a chance to savour it, to stop and to notice things we might never see, to really, really consider it. The idea of feasting on Jesus' flesh because he's the bread of life is a really strange idea and we see that it's one the religious leaders struggle with to understand. And we do too. So we had a few weeks ago, it led to all kinds of accusations that Christians were cannibals Of course it's an idea, an image. We don't literally eat Jesus but we do eat bread and drink wine as symbols of him and that helps us to understand something important. John's Gospel is all about Jesus, the Son of God, being here in the flesh. We use the word incarnation to talk about it. That means in the flesh. It has the same root as words like carnivore which means meat or flesh eater. And that's an important idea because for God to be here in the flesh, the same flesh as us, means that Jesus experiences fully all the things that we experience. So when he starts to talk about life, he's talking about our lives, the lives that we all lead, the lives where we sleep and wake and walk and talk and laugh and cry and eat and drink and all the other stuff that happens to each and every one of us. I said before that people thought God was remote, far away, separate. And then all of a sudden he's here, standing in front of them, like them, like us. But Jesus is still separate. He's another person. And that's where this talk of bread and flesh start to make sense. Jesus is trying to explain that God isn't separate or remote. God is as close as our food becomes when we eat it. It becomes part of us, completely inseparable. It's our food that fuels our cells, gives us life. And that's what all this talk about bread is about. If Jesus is the bread of life, then he's the one that we feast on and digest and who fuels our living. And at the wedding in Cana, Jesus has already transformed the water used for religious cleansing into the finest of wines with more than enough for everyone to enjoy. This bread and wine are fuel for living in a different way. A way freed from the stale religion and all the rules that say you can't do this and you can't do that. Instead, Jesus reminds them and us that a relationship with God is more important than keeping the rules. For the writer of John's Gospel, the bread and the wine are a starting point. They are the basic things that fuel a new way of living. Remember, in this Gospel, the night before Jesus' arrest, he washes the disciples' feet. The bread and the wine fuel service and compassion and dignity and community and love. When Jesus talks about eternal life, it's not only about some far-off heaven. As we discovered last week, eternal doesn't start now. Eternal has always been and will always be. And by having God as part of us, as close as the food that we eat or the air that we breathe, we become part of that eternity. So I think Jesus is encouraging us to make sure we are fueled by the right stuff. We know that eating junk food isn't good for us. But how much do we think about the other junk that we take in? Junk TV? scrolling on Facebook and Twitter, reading all sorts of garbage. Gossiping, spreading rumours. Watching shows that show relationships as some kind of competition to be won by the more beautiful people. Reading magazines that tell us we need to be better, or slimmer, or more toned, or more fashionable. Consuming all of that makes us think differently. It makes us act differently. It changes who we are. Just like when we fill up in junk food, we feel sluggish and bloated and then hungry again before our next meal. Our minds and spirits are just the same. So it's time to sort out our diets. Time to eat better. It's time to feast on Jesus, who is the bread of life. And this isn't just about us eating the bread and wine of communion once in a while in the same way. It's not about us praying that God gives us our daily bread. It's about remembering that we are the ones bringing bread to others. Both the food that we need to eat every day and the bread of life we need to live our best lives. The lives that God wants for all of us. He wants that so much that he gave his only son that we might live
1: We'll be singing when the. Turn <laughs>
0: Gracious God, we give you thanks for every opportunity our lives have given us to learn and grow. We look back to childhood and school days, remembering how exciting and scary it was at first when everything was new. How, as teenagers, we thought we knew it all, and how gradually, sometimes painfully, we learned how much there was still to learn. We're grateful for all the choices that we have had, which many others do not have. What to study, where to live, who to love, what career path to follow, which faith, if any, to profess. We give you thanks for the learning that was fun for us, but that took hard work and effort. And for that wisdom that has been a hard one, the gift of life's deepest sufferings and its joys. We pray for children whose education has been curtailed by poverty or illness or war. Of those who have learned too soon that life can be hard and that not everyone can be trusted. We pray for parents wanting their children to have the best possible start in life and fearful of all the dangers. We pray for people whose faith has been shaken by the hard knocks of life, those who have used their faith as a refuge from life, not a source of strength to live it, and those who have no such foundation to support them or against which to rebel. As an ancient king wisely asked for wisdom before beginning to reign, so we ask for your wisdom in all our positions of leadership, whether religious or political. Guide the decisions of all those who are uncertain. Stay the hand of those who are poised for war. Calm the fears of all those who feel inadequate to the responsibilities which they bear. Remind them what is within their power to change and what is not enable them to do the best that they can and to leave the outcome in your hands the only true place of safety for all of us Amen From ancient stories to modern ears may we hear God's purpose in our lives Send us out with wisdom with love and grace with blessing and peace in the name of God the Creator God the source of all things and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.